And now, our feature presentation. This is the Carpenter Queens podcast, broadcasting to you live from the employee bathroom at the TCQ rental store, where you can pick up your favorite horror VHS copies. I am employee of the month, Nick. And I am assistant manager in training, Raymond. (laughs) We discuss all things good, bad, and queer in our favorite horror media. Welcome to this week's episode, everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome in, guys. (laughs) We have to say welcome anytime a customer walks into the store, so it's just a requirement. But Sorry. this is episode six. Holy fuck. We're almost towards the double digits. That's like beyond wild to me. I mean, we're still four episodes away from double digits, but what else? I mean, halfway to that, that makes me excited. I can't wait to like start counting down to all the different ones. But hi, everyone. Welcome. Hello, welcome to the welcome. TCQ Rental Store, where we like to gab and talk about everything horror and gay really gay stuff and of course this week's new rental of course this is what we're here for we're absolutely here for we have okay so this movie i feel like i have to give like a like a a, a news update of this one's gonna be a lot just in production holy crap this movie had so much going on for this fucking movie yeah there's a whole lot production wise there's a whole lot even post-production post-release like when it released on video there was a whole lot of things to still process so yeah there's a lot to dive into with this movie (laughs) uh so to say the least yeah just to say the least so for this week's episode we're gonna do something a little different we're not gonna be doing a tcq news update sorry the news is dead uh we're gonna just (laughs) there's too much to talk about there's this movie took up a lot i wasn't expecting this movie to have so much to do because fuck i'm just gonna say i don't this movie is a lot this movie is so confusing this movie is so confusing Uh, yeah to say the least and it's it's not good Before we dive into it, like, I don't know, for some reason, this this movie held a soft spot for me. And then rewatching it, I was like, I don't know why I hold a soft spot for this movie. It's pretty bad. I know why you used to like this movie. And I will get to her in a second. <laughs> don't come for me. But yes, I'm so excited to talk about her. I, I, mean, I know you are. The minute she popped up on screen, I was like, oh, this is why. This is why. What are we smoking on this week, Gail? 420, what you smoking? Um, I am smoking some shit that we got from our plug. <laughs> Is it Canada Crow? No, it's a plug. Unknown, oh. unnamed, a, a plug. A mysterious plug. <laughs> I do not miss the days of like picking up in like a ga- garage or like picking up <laughs> at like some weird parking lot in like Home Depot and you're like oh my mm-hmm. god I hope that other car is my dealer please don't be a secret cop oh my god please don't be a cop and then you get your weed and he's just like this is what I have and you're like what is it and he's like do you want it or not so you're like cool I'll just <laughs> <laughs> so I'll buy it <laughs> uh, and 
it's really not as shady as I mean, maybe back then it was shady when you were doing it. I'm almost certain it was shady when you um, were doing it. <laughs> Fuck you. How convenient is that? Wow. How convenient is fucking that? But it's really not that shady. Our our plug is really sweet, and they they uh they don't really tell us what it. I think they tell us what it is when they give it to us, but most of the time we're already high at that point. <laughs> so, um, so usually it it's just like, oh damn, this shit's fire, this shit's dank, and I was like, all right, I'm in, give it to me. Those are always the words that when I used to work at the pot shop, if I just said, oh yeah, this stuff's fire to like any straight guy, they're like, oh yeah, let me get like three grams of that. I was like, cool, <laughs> thanks bro. What um, is it? Is it an indica? I'm almost certain they only sell us indicas because um, that's what's predominantly uh, smoked in the valley, I feel like. Um, so anytime I want sativas, I usually have to go to the shop for that. Cause y'all are already wired and anxious as hell. Why are you guys? Yeah, more yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Usually we prefer the indica because we're night smokers for the most part. We usually smoke when we get home from work and need something to like relax and chill. Mm-hmm. Um, so for sure. the most part, we smoke indicas. Well, yeah. What are uh, we smoking this, on? This week I picked up at Lavoie and I picked up lemon pound cake. It's a sativa. <gasps> oh my goodness. <clears throat> Thank you to that my butthender, Alicia, if you're listening. Uh, she hooked it up and I was just like, give me something good. Hit me, Sergeant. And she went and found this stuff. When I got home and I opened the lid, it's, I know it doesn't sound like good, but when you're a weed smoker, you're like, oh, that shit's, that, I want that. It smelled like uh-huh. gasoline. Like it smelled, had that weird understand of like <laughs> gasoline and that like stanky, skunky smell with a little okay. bit of lemon in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit was delicious. I smoked some yesterday and I'm in the process of moving. Girl, when I tell you I packed up like a full room in less than an hour. <laughs> yes. That's what I miss about sativas because for the most part, like, because we bought by the ounce. So, you know, for the most, like what I have on hand to smoke every day is indicas. Hmm. And it's hard to get shit done when you're smoking an indica bit. I want to take a nap. Do you want to go get some food? <laughs> I literally <laughs> took a nap yesterday. Um... So yeah, I need to go to the shop and pick up some sativa. But damn, that that sounds good. I know what you're talking about with that that skunky kind of lemon smell. I don't know about the gasoline. <laughs> uh, I mean, never... I was down. My nose was in with you, like, oh, 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 oh. You know when you like you get that stoner like erection, your nipples are all like, <gasps> oh, I'm gonna smoke this. Oh, I am definitely gonna like they're immediately erect, like t- <laughs> erect, erect. I'm gonna go home and scorch <laughs> the shit up. Ah, you're so stupid. But I smoked some last night. Uh, I watched this last night. Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. I wish I was a little bit higher. I may have understood this script a little bit more if I was higher. <laughs> I had to, I smoked a bowl and a half during this movie. <laughs> during? I oh, to. fuck. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I smoked a little beforehand. And then I, I, I finished that bowl and then I packed another bowl like midway through. And I was like, okay, we're taking some turns here. I need another bowl. <laughs> All right, listeners, this week's rental flick is going to be Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2 from 2000, directed and co-written by Joe Berlinger. Last summer, after the crowds left, five strangers returned to the woods to uncover the truth but one of them has a secret that will unlock the curse. Now, if you don't believe in the Blair Witch, then why the hell did you bother to come? I thought the movie was cool. This fall, 
Just in time for Halloween, the witch is back. Content warning for everybody. Trigger warning, I guess we should say. This movie deals with some pretty heavy topics like miscarriages, hangings, and possibly the like worst one is like they get into some weird straight sex shit. (laughs) I don't know, guys. So if you're not into like heterosexual sex stuff, I wouldn't watch this movie. It might scar you for life. So stupid. (laughs) This, This is definitely... Out of all the films that we've watched so far for the podcast, this is one of the ones that does not deal with its content uh, with care. There's also, it's pretty offensive in a lot of parts. It deals with a lot of horrible stereotypes. So I just, we want to let it be known that the stuff that's in the story probably isn't for everyone. So if Mm -hmm. those are are too much, don't feel bad. Yeah, Yeah, this is definitely a movie made like, like a product of its time, I guess you can Absolutely. call it. It's definitely before political correctness. So content warning, don't expect this movie to be politically correct. While we tear into this fucking, I'm going to say it, really bad movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. All right. So you can catch this flick on HBO Max. For some reason, HBO Max is has this streaming. It doesn't have the original. And for some reason, it's there. Whatever, I'll take it. Or you yeah. can rent it or purchase it on Amazon Prime. But please don't spend too much money on, on this. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I really wouldn't spend more than $5 on this. <laughs> uh, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2 was released on October 27th, 2000 as a runtime of 90 minutes. Uh, taglines. I it, <laughs> These taglines are my least favorite that we've done so far. Yeah. Uh, Cue music. <clears throat> All right, let's get into it. Evil doesn't die. The myth is real. You can't go forward until you go back. The Blair Witch experience more terrifying than ever. The terror continues. I agree. These are very terrible taglines. These are so bad. Not only that, your delivery was so melancholy. You're just like, because uh. <laughs> I can't, I can't get into it. You know, like the taglines are our thing. They and are so, They're my favorite. And uh, I can't say it enthusiastically. I'm sorry. Even I'm sure you're gonna put the filter over it and everything, and it's still not gonna sell. <laughs> oh my god. The- the thing with these taglines, though, is that it's trying to promise a lot, especially the one where it's uh, you can't go forward until you go back. The Blair Witch experience, ooh, the Blair Witch experience, more terrifying than ever, and that is a big thing you're trying to stamp on top. And it just, you're not going to deliver that at all. Uh, no. Directed and co-written by Joe Berlinger, as well as written by Dick Beebe, starring Jeffrey Donovan as Jeffrey Patterson. Yeah, known from Burn Notice. I don't know if you ever watched that. I think it was on TBS, maybe. I yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it was TBS or I just remember him being hot. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and he shows his ass in this one too, and I'm like, (gasps) yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Come on, cake. So meaty. We have Erica Larson as Erica Gearson. Look at those two letter changes. She's mainly known, well, I mainly know her from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake in 2003. Mm-hmm. She played mm-hmm. the best friend. She was the one that was just crying all the time. She kind of does it in this movie too. <laughs> I was about <laughs> to say, not much different from this movie. Uh, Stephen Baker Turner as Stephen Ryan Parker. Kim Director as Kim Diamond. We have yes. Tristan Skyler. I know. Tristan Skyler as Tristan Ryler. And then Lanny Flattery as Sheriff Ronald Cravens. I know him from Blood and Blood Out. Oh, 
My yes, God. Yes. Thank you. I literally, that's in my notes. Sheriff, Lanny Flattery, whatever his name is. And I was like, <laughs> I literally wrote IMDb. Big Al for Blood In, Blood Out because he's so fucking disgusting that movie. He's so disgusting. He's, he's just disgusting scared the crap out of me. Movie. Oh yeah, he is. He definitely has a type. If you need like a weird, crazy country guy, he's probably your dude. Uh, if you need a rapey white uncle, he's your guy. Oh, God. Special, special effects makeup by Gina W. Bateman. The special effects are really nothing special. It just kind of looks like they did blood splatter here and there. No. So reviews the reviews are not the best <laughs> i am you want to call it that right imdb of four out of ten metacritic gave it a 15 out of 100 mm. there was nothing from av club that i can find rotten tomatoes tomato score of 14 percent and audience score of 18 <sighs> percent i wanted to get those i wanted to get through those as quickly as possible sorry if i went too fast because this episode is going to be super meaty on production stuff so meaty so the reason why i wanted to do this movie we added it to the list because sequels are so fascinating we haven't done a sequel yet and i really wanted to go off the gate out of something that was super hyped up for the time would Mm -hmm. you agree no 100 percent because they it well i mean let's just jump into it so follow like following the hype of the original blair witch project obviously they were the production company was hot to like yes let's make a sequel we need to ride the you know wave that we're still riding on but they weren't interested in making a sequel well yeah so the originally the production was through artists and company and they wanted to make a sequel as quickly as possible because we need to preface that that when the Blair Witch Project came out, it was literally a cultural phenomenon. Holy fuck, was this movie massive. Not only mm-hmm. just for film, it was massive for horror because of this. Granted, Cannibal Holocaust is the original found footage flick. Blair Witch mm-hmm. Project popularized it for the masses. Because of this, yeah. we probably wouldn't have Wreck, we probably wouldn't have Paranormal Activity and all those other ones that are continuously coming out. It's a new format. I mean, it's currently changing. We have this new style of found footage Zoom meetings. Thank you, Unfriended. <laughs> and found footage, like security camera footage. Think like, I don't know. It, it's, it started this new wave of uh, style of filmmaking and to make a sequel off of something that was so culturally culturally significant, you're weighing on a lot. You're wanting to do all. Uh, that's a big toll to try and to try and meet. Yeah, the Blair Witch Project definitely left humongous shoes to fill, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, like Book of Shadows <laughs> did not fill those shoes. Like, bitch, they didn't even fill a quarter of those shoes. They didn't. They didn't even put the shoes on. They still have flip flops. <laughs> To really showcase how big this Blair Witch Project was, it was estimated the original production budget was around two hundred to five hundred thousand, uh, but it ended up making two hundred forty-eight million. Holy fuck! Oh my God, yeah, it was. It's considered one of the most successful independent films ever created. However, I had to look up. Do you know what the most uh, successful independent film of all time is? Currently? Currently. 
Uh, hold on, hold on. I feel like I know this. Hold on. I know it's not Paranormal Activity anymore. Nope. Technically, it's still not now. Uh, oh my god. I feel like it's something recent. It's not. It came out in 2003. No. 2004. I don't know. Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson. <laughs> That's a scary movie. Holy fuck. You want to watch something scary? No, I agree 100%. <laughs> Funny enough, not not even because it's a Mel Gibson movie, but because funny enough, I find religion to be horrifying. You want to find Do some not, spooky shit, bitch? You won't catch me walking into a Catholic church with all those, like, they get, like, the bloodiest, sad-looking Jesus that they could find, and, the, and he's, like, 50 feet, and they put him on the wall, and then mm-hmm. there's all these creepy looking saints that look down and judge you. Like, mm-hmm. no, I can't with the, with Catholic. No offense to any Catholics out there who are listening. I'm just saying some ca- the Catholic church that I've been to have been horrifying. Terrifying. And go Mel Gibson, I guess. I can't stand Mel Gibson. I will not support Mel Gibson. I will not no. give him anything of my own. But he ended up putting three, 30 million of his own money into it. Like it was all funded by him. It was a total <laughs> passion project. <laughs> And they ended up making 600 million. Holy shit. Go Catholics, I guess. Go Carol. (laughs) Apparently they love movies about Jesus. Jesus, he loves you. You don't know first thing about love. I am filled with Christ's love. Mm-hmm. Going back to the Blair Witch Project, because that's where we're at. Uh, The original filmmakers of it Haxon films were the ones that didn't want to create another sequel they wanted the hype to die down which i thought why wouldn't you that makes sense but i also see production companies a lot of the time they don't i feel like they never understand what the audiences actually want and this Mm -hmm. movie is a total product of that oh yeah they rushed it completely i believe they said they had like five weeks to get the script together because of of the process they wanted to do it. So Artisan ended up going forward with it in 1999 and they ended up hiring Joe Berlinger who mainly only did, mainly still does documentaries. Mm -hmm. I want to know the thought process behind that. Why did they go with Joe? Maybe they thought because the first movie was documentary style, like mockumentary, they were like, Mm -hmm. oh, he's got the know-how on how to make a documentary. So that's bring him in to make a feature i don't know i agree i don't know what they were thinking like that's such an odd choice i mean i if we go off of that thought process yeah it's a documentary style and but he obviously knows documentaries so let's bring him in however i guess they just were not expecting joe to completely cannot stand the structure of the original it was the biggest reasons why he went with this aesthetic that's essentially mm-hmm. played straight through i don't know man it was a choice <laughs> i can say it was a choice we all make choices but that was a choice he had never done scripted films up to this point and he didn't he came back and dipped his toe back in with the uh zach afron ted bundy movie extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile that was his second scripted film. Oh, I didn't watch it, so I don't know if it's good or not. I mean, I can't really say anything either. If it's not a like serial killer documentary, I'm probably not going to watch it. If it's a movie about a serial killer, I'm not too interested. Yeah, it's almost like glorifying the person. That's the same feeling that Joe had. That's why he went with a completely different style and aesthetic and going with like a full scripted idea of this. And I really want to pick your brain on that, on just... 
how do you feel about the format completely changing? And that's part of the reason why this is like the redheaded <clears throat> stepchild. No one ever mentions Book of Shadows. Because it, aside from it piggybacking off of the original movie, the content, mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with the original movie other than the fact but that it's still following the lore mm -hmm. of the Blair Witch. Like it, it has everything to do with it, but it has nothing to do with it, if, it, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, so, but I, I agree. I think I, in my personal opinion, I think it was smart to go a completely different route than to mm -hmm. go the found footage again, because had they just done another found footage film, it would have been an exact copycat of what the Blair Witch Project was, the original mm -hmm. one. And so the fact that he made the decision to go a completely different route and, and use this kind of, he kind of gave like a sly social commentary on how media was changing people's perception on what the movie mm -hmm. was. Cause when Blair Witch Project dropped originally, this was at the time the internet was slowly starting up. So they had a website, there was a website dedicated to this and they never, they called it a documentary. They never said mm -hmm. it was a movie. So because they called it a documentary, everybody thought it was real, myself included. I think I was in elementary school still at the time. I was like in the fourth or fifth grade. And I remember, seeing the ads for it and seeing they had missing po sign posters up that they had posted up at South by Southwest when it premiered. So people really thought that this was real and that these people were really dead. And myself included, like, so they really sold it. And so I think he had to piggyback off of that and he wanted to show the repercussions of what the Blair Witch like project phenomenon did. And it was kind of like holding a mirror up to that, I feel like. It got very meta. And mm -hmm. I think that fits the time period. This is after Scream. Meta is in again. We got to start mm -hmm. referencing and talking about things this way. And Berlinger did it in, originally, he did it in a, my opinion, a really smart, interesting way. That's what's so sad about this movie and why I want to talk about it is the concepts and the themes and the ideas that are there are honestly excellent yeah they yes. are excellent they are fascinating stuff to look at however because of the production company's involvement and probably not the strongest script what if we <laughs> yeah. look if we look at it through that yeah. lens it gets lost and people forget about this movie and this movie rightfully so is bad <laughs> it's, a yeah. really, it's a really bad movie but i am aware that there are quite a bit of people who believe in this film and actually want a full director's cut of the, this movie. And mm -hmm. if we were to get that director's cut, maybe, maybe we would have a better film. But in my personal, humble, know-nothing opinion, I don't think it would really change the perception. I don't think so either. <laughs> I, I, I really don't. I was like, I can't imagine that maybe the like four to like 10 scenes that were chopped could mm -hmm. really help that film be better than it is because it's terrible. But like yeah. you said, at its core, there are some really good fundamental ideas in there that were in the script that were really smart mm -hmm. and and really good choices. But like you said, the production company really got in and really made this movie really gimmicky and really mm -hmm. wanted to sell it to the masses so that way they could mm -hmm. push people into the movie theaters and all those ideas got lost in the sauce. They did get lost in the sauce, and as it usually happens. Uh, before I continue on and talking about the script, I'm just going to give the quickest base storyline of this movie. I really don't want to delve too much on beat by beat, because trust me, you will get fucking lost. I was so 
lost <laughs> watching the, this movie. And there's nothing to really type into story-wise, so. There really isn't. So just a quick basis storyline, uh, stolen straight from IMDb, so you can you know, catch me outside with that. Uh, To cash in in on all of the real-world hype of the events in the first film, a man from Burkittsville, Maryland, Jeffrey, opens a Blair Witch Hunt tour, which shows patrons various locations from the original film. A bunch of college students decide to take the tour and wind up in Rustin Parr's house. There, they decide to camp for the evening, but in the morning, they realize they didn't sleep and they don't remember anything that happened the previous night. From there, they go back to town and discover that something or someone has come back with them. That is the most basic plot line, and that is the <laughs> this is the easiest way it can break it down because there's a yeah. lot of different concepts and ideas that come forward, and this movie likes to deal with basic stereotypes, not just within horror, but what Berlinger believed was happening during this time period. Berlinger is extremely mm-hmm. smart and trying to get these concepts into this script. However, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It didn't, unfortunately, the, the actual like script made it <laughs> like almost unwatchable because mm-hmm. the character, like the archetypes are there and you can see what he was going for everything that's coming out of their mouth is garbage mama (laughs) it's garbage mama oh it's garbage it's not realistic it's just not realistic because i laughed almost every few lines no like i felt so bad for these actors trying to deliver these lines because they're they're honestly just god awful the lines that these people have to say there are a few nuggets there are a few nuggets of like profound i was just like oh wow that's like i wish we could talk about that like when the the college couple starts talking about this idea of perceived reality which is the theme Mm. of the movie Mm -hmm. that stuff is fascinating and i wish they talked more about it but then we get lost in it because all of a sudden they just need to start drinking and then it's a lot (sighs) yeah it's it's so much uh but continuing on with our production notes berlinger spent time in the real town of Burkittsville, the original setting of the first film, he really wanted to research and interview all of the locals about the impact of this film. And I think that was smart. I feel like those pieces really lend well to an interesting movie. Uh, You can totally tell his documentarian side kept in, but like use what you know. Yeah, he definitely, yeah, like you said, he tapped into what he knew and decided to go to Burkittsville, Maryland and do a little, like, get a feel for the town, do a little research, see how the how the town was feeling about their newfound fame, how they're feeling about people literally coming from across the globe to come to this small stick, you know, stick town in the woods of Burkittsville, Maryland to see where this fake, you know, this mockumentary was filmed that just, you know, blew up. And people and so, thought was real. Like, I really feel like that can't be overstated because nowadays, in the age of the internet and what we live now, conspiracy theories going off in the world. Like, the, I feel like this movie is kind of a really good representation of that of people just consuming media and immediately believing that this this is real. This is yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Uh, because according to what an audience score testing, uh, when done nationally, they had asked if anyone had thought that the Blair Witch Project was real and 40% reported that they thought that this fucking movie was real. The fuck does that mean? Yeah. Uh, And well, I mean, at the time when it came out, I was still 
you know, I was fairly young. I was in elementary You're school. You're impressionable. So, I, yeah, exactly. I thought the movie was real. I I literally legitimately thought everything was real. I thought these kids were missing, da 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 da, until they started making their late night talk show um, rounds of doing interviews to promote the movie. And I was like, what? Uh, but aren't they dead? What? They found the footage? Your mind was yeah. blown. So what is the truth? Gag. So I was like, oh. Even my dumbass, like in elementary school, like I kind of realized, I was like, oh, it was all fake. Da, 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 da. Yeah, you're a ch- you're a child, and this movie really delves into like these are grown ass adults coming from Germany, China, all over the world to like see if this is real and try and capture this Blair Witch. I fully believe that people would do that. People at the time was this before or after Columbine? Do you remember by any chance? This is after, and he delves into this idea of media influencing these individuals. That's the whole end cap of the movie. When the news mm-hmm. reporter comes in, he really wanted to like touch the subject matter as hard as he could. And like we've said maybe four times already, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we said, yeah, like we said multiple times, great concepts. It just, it doesn't fully get there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't because the the concepts he tries to touch end up being jokes, like uh, the character of Erica. So uh, according to Berlinger, the character of Erica, who plays the Wiccan, he wanted to write her as a representation of the frustration that the Wiccan community was feeling at this time. When the Blair Witch Project came out, there was a lot of like misconstrued information and people thought that Wiccans were just evil and it portrayed them in this like negative light and she is supposed to be that representation but then she ends up becoming like the slutty witch who just <laughs> who just like wants to sleep <laughs> with everyone and she becomes a joke yeah so after Blair Witch premiered essentially it was like the Salem Witch Trials all over again and people were coming for witches and Wiccans and everything of the sort essentially mm-hmm. like not catholic protestant or whatever so um yeah the wiccans were outraged and so he wrote them into the script to be you know sort of a representation but he also wrote her to be this almost stereotypical trope almost the like slutty wiccan witch who's gonna seduce you in the woods like what the fuck man (laughs) you're you were your intentions were good but your actions just like what the fuck (laughs) yeah I don't know if that was intentional or maybe as the production moved along, he got notes from the producers that were like, hey, you need to sex this up a bit. You need to amp it up a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, you never know. You never know. You never know. It's uh, the character of Erica. She kept making me laugh as the movie went on because they're all supposed to like, the film is supposed to be like a gradual descent into madness is what he wanted. And Mm -hmm this script and these characters just became an overstuffing of ideas and thoughts and what he wanted to portray and do. And in my humble opinion, it feels like a student film (gasps) that they got extra money for. (laughs) Oh my God, get out of my head. I literally (laughs) was thinking when I was watching it, I was like, this feels like an all tea, all shade. It feels like a film that I would have like written and made coming out of film school because yeah, I know I would have been eager to like make a horror film. And like, and like we've said, there's great ideas and concepts there, but 
the it gets lost in the, and it gets lost in the script in my opinion it gets lost with the horrible acting and i don't think any of mm-hmm. these people could really really act there's moments there but for the most part i don't think at most they were probably like b-list actors at most well none of them have really gone on to do much i mean bird notice i guess was a pretty big thing for them i originally thought he was the guy from lost jeffrey when he popped up i'm like are you that hot guy from lost and then upon further inspection the dna test proved that that was a lie (laughs) and he turned out to be the hot guy from bird notice instead he ended up being the hot guy from (laughs) bird notice absolutely absolutely just finishing out the script, Berlinger was quoted saying how he wanted to, he took inspiration from the lazy consumption of media that we were talking about with the early days of the internet. He stated, quote, how readily the public is willing to accept that something shot on video is real. On one hand, Blair Witch 2 works as a standard horror movie, but it is also a meditation on violence in the media and the nature of fantasies. Ooh, fan... Fan... Fanatism? Fanaticism. Oh, fanaticism. Yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, I'm telling you, I have the mind of a master, master, I have the mind of a mastermind. What's that? I don't know, but I'm so creative like that. But it is also a meditation on violence in the media and the nature of fanaticism and obsession and the dangers of blurring the lines between reality and fiction. And then that's there. It's in the script because everybody just loses their mind. And that's where the script goes off the rails because I feel like no one knows what's going on. So if my characters Mm -hmm. don't know what's going on, I don't know what's what's going going on. Exactly. Yeah, because this was all like, well, we haven't dived into it, but this was all post, like what happened in the woods. So they all start going crazy and Mm -hmm. everything just starts blurring together and things are real, but things aren't real. And what Mm -hmm. you hear isn't, it's a lot to say the least. It is a lot. And I feel like I wouldn't understand this movie, quite honestly. Like I wouldn't know what the ending was about. I wouldn't know what was going on to these characters because it's never explained to me. And it's not like The Strangers in like two episodes ago where it's a mystery, but you don't need all of those pieces to understand what's going on. For this mm-hmm. film, I need to know those pieces. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Who's that girl? Who's that ghost? What's that dog? What? Why is he in an asylum? Why is he foaming at the mouth? Why, Why is he... he foaming at the mouth? Oh, and there it is. There we go. We'll talk about their production. They're filming. The filming was shot over 44 days in the spring of 2000. The, it was released in fall of 2000. So y'all were up to the wire filming mm-hmm. this in spring on location in Baltimore, Maryland. From what I gathered, I think they had, like, that's why they were on such, they were on such a time crunch because they wanted to feed off of the hype of mm-hmm. the first movie. So they, that's why they gave them a time crunch of like, oh, you have five weeks to bang out the script. You have 44 days to shoot. So that way we have like X 60 days to edit and then we're mm-hmm. out the door. And bitch, it shows. It shows that you rushed this project. It really does. I mean, films that are on a crunch, sometimes work really well. Scream 2 is an excellent, excellent example of that. Scream 2 is a really fantastic film, and it was done within, like, nine months of the original being done. It was, like, mm-hmm. the next year it was out. This, however... But wait! There's more! Doesn't. It doesn't. The exposition scenes of the characters camping were shot in Gwyns Falls Leaking Park, and then the stone ruins of the Rustin Par House were made out of styrofoam. How fun! I love that for you. I figured that was like, that can't be real stones because they had to build it around a tree. 
Oh no, absolutely. And then the opening documentary footage of the film, the interviews were of real residents of Burkittsville, Maryland, which make it so good. I love the opening of it. I thought it was gonna continue this like humorous, like comedic style because it reminded me of Drop Dead Gorgeous. The most smartest. Most smartest? Yeah. Oh, that's great. You're real educated, like most smartest. Get a <laughs> yeah, it definitely had this like dark humor undertones. Um, I really enjoyed it. And, but yeah, but I agree. I love the the openings, the opening of the movie with the interviews with town folk who were either upset about all these people flocking to the town or were like capitalizing. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That woman was my favorite. Yeah, he wanted about ten dollars for the rock, so I sold it to him. And then we tried selling <laughs> over the internet. But it's just too heavy. It's too expensive to be shipping rocks. Which is, <laughs> get it, gal. Get it, rock gal. Uh, so Berlinger stated that he originally made the film with more of an ambiguous tone that focused on the character's psychological unraveling after the night spent in the Black Hills. But Artisan forced him to recut the film and reshoot certain scenes to add more, quote-unquote, traditional horror movie elements, thus creating what they saw as a more, quote-unquote, commercial film. <sighs> It shows. This is like classic production company and meddling their nose into a film after I never understand that. You give the direct, you pick your director, you give mm -hmm. them the budget, you tell mm -hmm. them go do the thing. And then when they give you the thing, they're like, no, 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 no. I know what the gals want. I know what the audience wants. And it's never what the audience wants. They micromanage. They micromanage mm -hmm. to the point where they fuck with the creative. Mm -hmm. Like the narrative of the story mm -hmm. and then just it gets lost just like this movie like i'm sure if they hadn't meddled so much you know berlinger would have been would have been able to get his point across a little more clearly anytime that a production company tr takes something from the director and then just adds their own thing and re-edits it that's shitty i mean it's hollywood so i, I shit happens all the time but it yeah. you're right it dilutes the the creative narrative that they're that was originally trying to be done. And that just fucking sucks. No wonder Berlinger went back to doing documentaries after this shit. <laughs> I wanted to, I'm like, oh, fuck this shit. I agree, I've had it. And I'm, so, you know I'm, what I have? It, it. There was some footage in there of them murdering the foreign tourists. And that was shot weeks prior to the film's release date and was incorporated into the film as flash cuts to add more visual violence. Berlinger later stated that he felt that the gore sequence, uh, excuse me, Berlinger uh, later stated that he felt the gore sequences added in the film, quote unquote, fought against the ambiguity he tried to nurture. The, it's intercut a lot with these random close-ups of like gore and blood and like sexual nature. And it's very it, chaotic. It's very chaotic. It muddles the film so much because the murdering of the tourists, you don't actually find out about until the end of the movie. <laughs> but you keep getting cuts and random shots of like murdered people and titties and stomachs intercut yeah. at honestly the most random moments like we're talking to someone and then cut and all of a sudden there's someone murdered recut and we're drinking yeah. a beer like it the, was it does... very like music video like and yeah. i knew what those i knew what those scenes were because obviously i've seen this movie a million times before mm -hmm. but if you're watching this as a first time viewer you're going to be very jarred and not know what those scenes are 
Mm-hmm. I've never seen this movie up until this point. And oh, I this was, is your first time watching it? This is my first time watch. And I was so confused. I watched bits and pieces when I was super young. So nothing ever really stuck. The only things that stuck was Kim because we love a goth gal. And the only other parts that stuck out was the owl eating scene because it doesn't Ugh. make any sense. So when I finally came back to watch this, I was hoping that I could enjoy the movie and see what it's like, what pieces I missed. But I was more confused than when I <laughs> than I was <laughs> like years ago. The owl made zero sense. Made I'm sure they sense. threw the owl in there to be like, ooh, it's mysterious. This owl has been following you since the forest and it's watching you through the window, but it made zero sense. It was supposed to be a reference to Night of the Living Dead, but I was like, no one, no one got no that. No one got you, that. It, you, like, your references, no, we're supposed to understand your reference. <laughs> like, the references were too far off, bro. Yes, like, no were. one got that. It was, it's so odd. And I can't blame the production company for that. Like, those were originally in there from Berlinger. So you can't fully blame the production company. I will blame the production company for the way that they chopped it up, especially the end sequence. So apparently the end sequence, the interrogation scenes, which are cut throughout the film, were Mm. only meant to be shown at the end as a single eight-minute long sequence. So that would have been, like, a more of a reveal of what these characters were experiencing and would have made more sense. Mm Mm-hmm. But then they chopped it up and it just doesn't make sense. It's it, the chopping of the interrogation scene felt like a procedural drama. It didn't feel like a horror movie. Yeah, it almost felt saw like in the way that it kept jumping it between uh-huh. the interrogation and what was, or flashing back, I guess, at this point. Uh, it was a choice. It was <laughs> this a movie choice. made a lot of choices that did not pay off in their favor. It really didn't because without this chopping, originally the film was meant to be linear. And we talked about the opening sequence being comedic and then the ending being really chaotic. And that was intentional. Uh, Berlinger wanted to start off slow and then descent into madness. But with this new cut, none of it makes sense. (laughs) None of it It, makes sense. And instead it went from lighthearted and dark comedic to all of a sudden descent into madness. There was, there was actually, it went from lighthearted and dark comedic to madness. There was no descent into madness. I felt like Mm -hmm. it jumped right in. It really did. It really, really did. That's the perfect way to do it. There was no descent. I just, I I just went straight mad and then that was it. It's, it's (laughs) so odd. Uh, One of the fun facts that I wanted to include in this movie, because we talked about how I I don't like this movie. Uh, It won the Golden Raspberry Award for worst remake or sequel. Uh, audience applause. Yay! It also won as uh, the Stinker Bad Movie Award for worst remake or sequel, and it also won the remake or sequel nobody was clamoring for. <laughs> like uh, beautiful, wow. beautiful. I mean, if you're gonna be a bad sequel, you want to be the worst one. So get it. For this movie, they wanted to follow the same beats as the original and just use their first names. For some reason, someone in production was like, no, I hate that, change their last names, but we can still keep their first name. No, what had happened was is that they were like, oh, what they, happened they, wanted, was. <laughs> they wanted to keep their original names to stick with this like documentary style. So they all, they filmed the entire movie with their original names. And then at the end production was like, oh no, that's not a good idea. And decided to just change their last names because they couldn't go back and reshoot what they had already shot. So they were like, oh, we're just going to change your last names. And I was like, this is You can't put the stupid. genie back in the bottle, you fucking production it, company. It was a 
it was a choice from the beginning to let them use their original names. When I was watching this movie and I looked up their name, their actual names, I was like, why the fuck did they use their original names? This is not a documentary. This is a anything. movie. It did like it really doesn't add anything to it doesn't heighten anything in the original they use their first names and that worked because we were supposed to believe that this was real since mm-hmm. this one changes the aesthetic and just becomes a straight scripted horror why like it doesn't make any sense i mean i get it as like an homage sure i love that but it just it doesn't give you anything it's like cool thanks mom i totally wanted socks for christmas <laughs> We meet Jeffrey, who is the caricature of people trying to capitalize on capitalize off Blair Witch phenomena. He has the Blair Witch Hunt, which I thought was actually a great fucking name. And I loved his van, full camo, military, like Mm post-apocalyptic. Like (laughs) it was very like the vehicle I'd want in The Walking Dead. We meet Tristan, and then we also meet Steven. Uh they're meant to be the stereotypes of people who were trying to figure out if this was real or not, or just debunk it and talk about the mass hysteria around it. Right. They're like writing a book and making their own documentary, if I'm not mistaken. No, not they're, 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 they're writing, writing a book. book. They're writing yeah. their own book. Uh, and then we also meet Erica, who I loved her reveal. I love anytime there's a van shot <laughs> and there's just characters talking and all of a sudden from the back seat. Hey guys, were you talking about me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Erica, our Wiccan. And we talked about the Wiccan community with that one. And we they talk about it. They find out that this is Jeffrey's first tour. He lied <laughs> yeah. on his website because everybody he lies didn't on the lie. internet. He <laughs> said that those were satisfied customers from his web store. Technically, this was their first tour. You sound like everybody on Tinder who's just like, no, 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 that was me. That's me in the picture. It's me from 12 years ago. But like, but it's, it's still, still me. It's still me. It's still me. Hey, I mean, how do you think I bagged Richard? <laughs> <laughs> they go to the graveyard and they meet up with Kim. The Hold on. He's, reason. He was saying that they had one more person to pick up. And he's like, and they're like, well, why are we here? They pull up to a cemetery. He's like, this is where they requested that I pick them up. And so like, what kind of person want, you know, want to uh, meet us in a cemetery? Jeffrey shouts, Cam, in the cemetery. And she goes, yo. And of course, there she is sitting on a tombstone. What an amazing character reveal. If I'm ever revealed in a film, this is how you do it. Chilling out, <laughs> smoking on a grave, full evanescence eyeliner, pale fucking makeup. Full on, like, black, almost bob, like, shoulder length, uh, so black bad. hair with, like, I think she almost has a purple high lowlights in her hair. Mm-hmm. Full on black nail polish, and she's just chilling on a... And she she uh, claims to be psychic of some sorts. She has the shinny, if you will. She has the shitting. Uh, I'm absolutely going to have to add that sound bite. You've got the shinning. You mean shining. Shh. You want to get sued? Je- I don't know if they ever directly stated or if she ever directly stated that she's like it. Because anytime they question her on it, they're like, why do you know where this stuff's at? She's like, mm, no, they know. do. She doesn't. She Well, because I think in her character or whatever, mm-hmm. that she either doesn't know what it is or she doesn't know how to harness it. Because it, she doesn't. It's not like she tries. She just comes out with these things and says what she knows. So I don't think she has full control of her powers. But it is stated. Um 
because I, th- I believe it's stated in the van because when they finally meet her in the cemetery, they go, Why, what are you doing there? And she said, I'm, uh, I'm finding the energy. And they're like, oh, what, do you feel a presence here? And she's like, no, I'm trying to find the energy to get up. I've been on the road for five days. <laughs> I fucking love her. And then the next line, <clears throat> he Jeffrey's like, want a hand? She's like, I want vetamines. I <gasps> fucking love her. Kim is my I favorite I did not character. catch that line. I did not- oh, I had to write it down. I loved her. But of course, the goth and the Wiccan, the immediate, immediately when Erica and Kim meet each other, they're like, oh, sisters. We're <laughs> sisters. <laughs> they all meet up, and this is our Scooby-Doo gang for the whole fucking movie. Yes, it they is all a Scooby-Doo pilot. gang. It's absolutely the Scooby-Doo gang. And they, they even all, have a van. <laughs> they even have the van. This is the worst Scooby-Doo episode I've ever seen. <laughs> We get more exposition on everybody. We find out that uh, Tristan is pregnant and Kim just knows. Oh yeah, they're walking through the woods and Kim just goes, so how far along are you? And and Tristan's like, what? And she's like, the baby. And she's like, six weeks. And she's like, you don't want it, do you? No. And like, just like full on reading her and like Mm -hmm. diving into her life. And so, yeah, I don't know. Apparently, uh, Kim is uh has an ultrasound machine in her hands. <laughs> Cut to she just got she's got the jelly. She's like, "Did you okay? You need help with this?" <laughs> it's so interesting. It's so technically where they're camping at is the Rustin Power House and Jeff sets up a shit ton of surveillance cameras. He was mm-hmm. all about surveillance cameras before surveillance cameras were surveillance cameras for people in nowadays it's so funny to watch him like set up these vhs surveillance cameras and now people have like the ring in their households that tells them when people are there and nest and all like security cameras all around their house we've only gotten worse yeah uh and i'm assuming he got all this money from selling stickmen on his web store because he 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 lives like in an old abandoned factory that apparently he bought for a dollar according to the movie I want to um, know his backstory. That's the prequel we need. What the fuck? How did you oh, get here, Jeff? Oh, no, 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 no. We do not need a prequel <laughs> to this. We do not need a prequel to this. Because then, like, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, but we get, like, intercut shots of him in a quote-unquote asylum where they're treating him with barbaric ways of treating mentally ill people. It makes my head hurt. I'm literally rubbing my head right now because... There's a lot going on and very little explanation given. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That night, the they run into these new group of tourists. Horrible, horrible racial Ooh, stereotypes. My God. Of- it's cringeworthy the Asian accents that these characters or actors, whatever you want to call them, put on. It's horribly racist, guys. So please go into that knowing this. It's really dated. It's extremely dated. We get Chinese tourists, we get German tourists, uh-huh. and then these two white guys who are like, this is our spot, we have a permit. And then Erica goes off, she's like, show us your permit! Show us your permit! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, they... All of these they... characters go from zero to 100 unprovoked. They unprovoked. Pop, they pop off real quick, and then... All of a sudden, I forgot who it is. They have a stroke of genius and they're like, 
guys, can we just like leave so that we can so go to scary. sleep? I'm so oh. scared about what happened, at, happened up at Coffin Rock. Coffin Rock, we're also traumatized. It's so scary. And then they all start realizing what she's doing. And so they're in on the gag and they're all like, yeah, Coffin Rock, Coffin Rock is so fucked up. And that, that in turn obviously made the tourists want to go to Coffin Rock. And so, you know, they get rid of the other two white Taurus. guys who are trying to capitalize <laughs> on this whole Blair Witch Hunt, uh, you know, phenomenon that's going on. So then they go back to their partying. And I, so this is what I didn't understand. So they haul all their equipment and all this shit to go camping in the woods at this, you know, so-called haunted site. And they go and they start getting fucked up. They are getting like lit, hardcore, bitch. like college. They, they have beer. They have beer. They had bottles. They had handles of Jack Daniels. They were smoking weed. They were passing around joints. They had bongs, bitch. They they were partying. Party. Like, there will be a party at St. Oaks tonight. <laughs> hold up, hold up. Y'all they need go to tell me hard. that you paid this man and then traveled to and are camping in these cold woods just to party. I thought we were here to hunt the Blair Witch. Why are we getting fucked up? That was immediate. And we party legit for 20, almost 20 fucking minutes. This party yes. goes on forever. And it just like escalates. Uh, it, I as like the night goes on they get more and more progressively fucked up erica's mm -hmm. trying to sleep with this person erica's trying to sleep with kim kim's mm -hmm. just having a ball they're doing great stuff uh, quite honestly i would probably want to party with them but come on they all were doing yeah. amazing but my favorite part about it is that it's all of like craziness and crazy cuts start happening immediately after they start smoking marijuana like after they start <laughs> thank you they kind of like demonize it, was, it almost they absolutely demonize okay, smoking in this you. movie which is why we got to talk about it because later on when we go to jeff's house he has a whole greenhouse of pot in his house yes get it gal but what's so funny is like as they keep smoking they start talking about stereotypical like stoner shit <laughs> if you I think know. about the universe like did you, did you, you got to expand your mind they, they talk about the bermuda triangle yep. they talk about aliens <laughs> witches <laughs> they i mean granted yes those conversations do come up when you're stoned depending on oh, the context all the time. or whatever all, all the time i mean look at us we got high and we're sitting here dissecting this fucking <laughs> horror movie so get your get your life gal but yeah they definitely go into like the very stereotypical like conversations or tropes that uh, stoners are given in movies but that is where we get our excellent the theme is talked about in this moment when they're all super high because Tristan and Steve Steven are discussing essentially this whole movie, this idea of a perceived reality. And it's mm -hmm. the smartest lines that come out of it. And that's what this movie wants to do is give the audience an idea of reality is what you make of it. And all of these characters are experiencing what they perceive as their own reality. Mm-hmm. And then exactly. it, it doesn't handle it after that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's like you said, it was a very great concept. And it's amazing. That's so meta to try and discuss this. As the movie progresses is that all of these characters start feeding into each other's hysteria and they all fucking lose it. It's a it's an amazing idea. Like I would love to see a film really try and tackle that, this idea of mm -hmm. mass hysteria, but that's incredibly difficult. For me, 
probably more so than anything, because I think I've talked about it when we talked about My Bloody Valentine, the remake. I don't like it when you deceive your audience and telling them this is the reality. And then later on show, nope, that wasn't it at all. This character wasn't imagining it in their head. When it's done yeah. well, it's magnificent. But when it's done like Blair Witch 2 and like the remake of My Bloody Valentine, it just feels lazy and feels confusing. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to that when, you know, the reveal, quote unquote, reveal happens. Reveal? But yeah, it's, it's lazy and it's like, oh, you didn't know this happened, but this is what really happened and this was what you thought happened. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like in order to make that work, there has to be a consequence after what they perceive as their reaction. But they all go to sleep, they all pass out, they all go to late night for memes, and before they go lay down, Kim opens up another... Kim can chug some beer. I love Kim because she's always like, I need a beer. Where's my beer? And weed, bitch. She's a bad bitch, and she's somebody that I want to party with. Like, can we... That's hold my on. best friend. Hold we on. Do hot shit. This is a, a Kim appreciation episode because <laughs> I, I just have to say that this movie came out what year again like 99 2000 2000 2000 i was still in i think i had just gotten to high into middle school so sixth grade and kim for me was part of like your awakening yeah i'm like my awakening <laughs> my upbringing she was my part upbringing. of my she was part of my goth rebirth almost like i am you kim used to be very goth you used to be very goth <laughs> I, I wasn't to the point where I was wearing like makeup or nail polish, but yeah, I was that kid. I was definitely that you kid. You were the patches, putting in mm -hmm. safety pens, wearing mm -hmm. creepers, changing your mm -hmm. hairstyle as much as you uh -huh. could, listening to, who are we listening to? Blondie, we're also listening to System of a Down, The Cure, Morrissey. Yes. Yeah, so Kim was the reason why we followed down this path. Yeah, I, I, I fucking you love are Kim. Kim. I am Kim. Kim is me. I am Kim. Kim, I, and I am... Kim is I. She's got a point. She's an icon. She's a legend. And she is the moment. Now, come on now. I am not ashamed. I, I follow the church of Kim. <laughs> You're so stupid. Speaking of the church, Erica gave me my favorite line that I'm probably going to use for everything I don't care. She's like, I don't even believe in religion. She's like, I don't even believe in the devil. That's a Christian concept. I am going <laughs> yes. to use that for everything. No, I don't want that. I do not want to eat that. I'm not going to eat that. That's a Christian concept. Oh, Jesus. Gross. Heterosexuality? <laughs> That's a Christian concept. How dare you? <laughs> that is a Christian concept. Fuck out of here with that bullshit. Fuck out of here. They wake up and they're all confused and we get, I think it's a really neat device. Yes. I think it's really fucking cool. Uh, when they wake up and everything is destroyed and we just get, I thought it was ash at first watch. It was very Silent Hill. It's like shredded paper. Shredded, shredded paper. And everybody immediately freaks the fuck out. They go from like zero. Well, I mean, I would too. I would I, well, too. Well, so... Well, maybe they were, maybe they were supposed to be young in the movie, but bitch, if my ass They're was chugging students. a handle of Jack Daniels the night before, I wouldn't wake up and go from zero to 100 <laughs> that fast. But anyways, they wake up and they start freaking out because it's a really beautiful shot in honesty. Mm -hmm. They wake up in the middle of this like uh, ash 
paper storm. Yeah, but it's like raining shredded paper and not even all of them are, none of them are asleep in their tents. And so they wake up and it's raining shredded papers. Jeffrey starts freaking out because his camera equipment's all trashed. Tristan and Steven immediately Steven. are like, holy shit, this is the, these, this is our research. This is our work. Mm-hmm. The line that fucking kills me is Tristan being like, no, 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 we have it on, we have it on the computer. We have it on backup. Steven's like, you know, that's useless. We write everything down. I'm like, no. who the fuck writes everything out? Bitch, this was like 99, 2000. This was still well before the like technological True. broom that we're in and like are still in now. He says, she says, no, that's just notes on there. Half of this shit's original documents. <laughs> and mind you, that was very stupid. And it also was a sign of the time. So like people weren't typing shit up on their computers. But because of the hysteria, Jess freaking out and Kim immediately is like, I know where the tapes are. Don't make fun of me. I know. When they find the tapes, they're all fucking flabbergasted. And that's when, unfortunately, Tristan suffers a miscarriage. And she immediately starts bleeding. And we rush her to the hospital. And this is where we also get some stupid production bullshit. There's apparently a cut originally where the camera was a bit lower on the gurney Mm -hmm. that Tristan is on. And has a shot of her bleeding through her pants due to the miscarriage. And the production company decided, no, this is too vulgar. We don't want this. Cut it. But they're the same people who wanted to shoot the murders of these tourists and make it as gory as possible. I hate Hollywood. I hate, hate, hate. So apparently a miscarriage is just like over the line, over the line for this production company. My, but bloody killing tourists in their sleep, bashing their heads in with rocks and bottles, not, not a problem that. at all. What a misogynistic bullshit response. Something that is as natural and happens to women across the entire world. It's just something that happens. That's just not okay. That's crossing show the line. That. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even gory or like, it's not like they showed It was an actual anything. depiction. All it was, but uh, yes, it was an actual depiction, but it wasn't even like vul, I mean, what I would call vulgar. It was, yeah. all it was, was some blood seeping through her sweats. And they were like, oh no, oh God, it was the fainting lady. We gotta lady. stop this. Like Karen's gonna go off. Excuse me, lady. Tristan has like a nightmare. It's the first time she gets that nightmare. And we get that weird scene where she just all of a sudden walks straight into the lake, pushes her towel into the water. And all of a sudden we find out it she's murdering her baby and there's yeah. blood coming up. And it's just, it's- It's 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 crazy because you don't realize it's a dream. You can kind of tell because it's a little, a little differently. It looks like they put a filter over it, uh-huh. but it's not like, Oh, you're in a dream. So they, she comes around the bend and then she's just like, she's got this blank stare on her face. And she just walked, like you said, walks directly into the like little stream. Fully clothed, walks straight Fully into clothed. The- and I was like, I was thrown off because I forgot that this part happened. And so she just walks fully in the stream. She's holding a towel in her hands and you can't tell that there's anything in it until she just pushes it underneath the water. And when she does, all this blood starts to bubble to the top. And then you start to hear like a faint baby cry and then they don't show too much because they cut real quick, but you see a but small a baby, like, hand. baby foot, yeah, or a baby hand float up to the top. I don't know what babies look like. I try not to look at them, but a baby <laughs> appendage. <laughs> a baby so appendage so floats stupid. to the top. And yeah, it was really horrendous. Like I, that's nightmare inducing. The stuff that I wish Berlinger like stuck with, because that's some psychological horror shit that's really difficult, and I thought was really interesting to talk about. And then we just drop yeah. it. 
Well, it creates conflict between her and Steven, yes. But mm-hmm. everybody just takes, like, Tristan going forward. She's essentially becomes possessed because when she's in the hospital, she sees some young girl. I thought it was Samara from The oh Ring. Oh, my God. That part was so bad. It, it was, was really so bad. bad. Like, all those parts were that little... It, I don't even know what to call her. She looks like... Do you remember from 13 Ghosts, the giant man baby and the little woman? The girl, yeah. She looked like the little girl from 13 yeah, Ghosts. Did. And it's yeah, so stupid. It has nothing to do with the story. And we keep flashing back to her for whatever reason. We cut to her so many times, her and a whole bunch of other kids, which I know are supposed to be the kids and the victims of the, the witch. The Burkittsville Seven. Yeah, exactly. So like that makes sense in that connection, but we never see these kids in the original. So like, why mm-hmm. do I have to see that? It ruins, for me, it ruins like the ghosts of Blair Witch Project into this, it, like it, mm-hmm. it dilutes it. And every yeah. time she pops up, it's really cheesy. It's really it's, bad. It's, it's like I like cheesy, but it's just bad. It kind of reminds me straight up, even this editing of this movie, when the little girl popped up, I was expecting uh, scariest places on earth. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Tonight, <laughs> Blair Witch Project. Yeah, it was very that. It, it was bad. It, it, it was really bad. It was bad. It was really bad. But from there, everyone just decides, you know what? I paid for the night, but we're all going to stay with Jeff so we can figure out what's going on. Like, that yeah. did not make sense oh, to me. I think, yeah. So they all go back to. To Jeff's house, which is abandoned factory from the Civil War that he bought for a dollar. It was, it's so reaching. The script it's is so reaching. reaching. Like, it's why did you have to write that in there? But anyway, that's that's beside the point. It's got like one bridge, and that's the only way in or out. And apparently it's not safe. He's like, oh, well, don't leave it on the rails. <laughs> I have to give him that. That made me laugh. He's like, oh no, yeah, this is perfectly safe. Oh, don't leave it on, don't leave it on the rails. So once we get into the house, I have to give the production company credit because that factory was amazing it's like a mix between like an evanescence music video warehouse meets saw meets a thrift store that has just like the most random bullshit inside yeah. of it it's so funny you mentioned socks i was getting definite saw vibes from it it was total saw vibes it's so it's because we find out all this bullshit is because jeff is he one of those people that gets stuff that falls off of back of trucks yes i forgot that about called? that part what stuff that falls off the back of trucks? Yeah, isn't that a profession? What is that called? Stealing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call a spade a spade, Mama. He's it's so stealing. Scared. I hate you. I hate you. He's stealing and he's selling on eBay. This movie wanted to be like such a t- period of its time when they brought up eBay and he's selling all these VHSs and all this other bullshit. So this whole movie wants to give off this impression that Jeff is mentally ill, that he is uh, paranoid, that he Mm -hmm. is someone who doesn't trust anyone. And it doesn't really come across well. They build Mm -hmm. all of the stuff. We get shots of him in the institution. And Mm -hmm. it's just, they feel too extreme to feel real when they're trying to base everyone else that way. And it doesn't help. So I that's something that I glad you mentioned that because when they cut to the shots of him in this, this quote unquote like asylum, one they're still practicing very barbaric, outdated forms of treating somebody Even with mental illness. John, my partner who works in the mental health 
realm when we were watching that granted they don't like watching anything that depicts them just like stupidly they were uh-huh. just like what the fuck are they doing what what did, yeah. what what are they doing tim because they shoved like this giant hose it up his nose and then oh, like, like vaseline tube up his nose yeah. and then and they then... start pouring this like neon liquid down i don't know what that was supposed to be doing and then it cuts to like him foaming at the mouth but what really threw me off was like um it, it cut to like the nurse and the doctor that were performing it and the doctor's like smoking a cigarette and the nurse looks all strung out and i was like what the fuck like is this real is this something that is He's this imagining maybe he like really has spent time in uh you know an asylum i don't want to call it an asylum he's spent place and he's spent time in an institution and maybe in his head that's how he depicted it like that's what it felt like going through that that's giving the script way too much fucking credit no it is it, it, but it's just saying, reaching i know your I'm arms reaching. hurt girl because you be reaching way too fucking this, far out there this script needed the reach i was trying really to find did. some redeeming quality about this film <laughs> Uh, they were i'm gonna i need to finish this movie so they review jeff's tapes and they find some weird cuts it cuts from like 1 a.m to like early early in the morning 7 a.m it's like 6 7 a.m in the morning and they don't understand why and when they break it down they find out that it's erica dancing around naked because oh wow yeah like they start going through like they they slowed it down when it cut from like 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. When they finally slow it down and get enough footage, they realize that the naked woman dancing around the tree is Erica. And then, of course, has no memory of any of it happening. So she freaks out. And this is where I couldn't stop laughing. So Erica does like some weird charmed shit and she like builds a prayer circle around her. Oh yeah. And she starts and freaking, like freaking out, out calling the on the four corners. It's very the craft meets like charmed, charmed. meets psycho. I don't know. <laughs> Why not? And Erica tries to like console her and that's when it's revealed that everybody has these rune markings on them and they kind of like they're like, oh my God, oh my God, I, we have these cuts. And Erica's trying to con- like freaking out. Kim's like, oh my God, that sucks. And then we immediately cut to Kim going completely somewhere else, no longer worrying about Erica, going to go pick up coffee and alcohol. Well, she was already headed out to get more beer and, and she was supposed to get a coffee, I'm not mistaken, and it bothered me that she never came back with coffee. So she, on her way out, she tried to get Erica to go with her because everybody had just turned on Erica seeing that she was the one dancing naked around the tree. And like, they immediately the think she's the one that did it. Yeah, so Kim tries to get her out of the house. Erica's too busy freaking out, praying on the floor. So she leaves just as I would. I'm like, let me get the fuck out of the house. Let me go get some beer. You and are Kim. This is my favorite scene of the movie. Sorry, I probably shouldn't have did that while we're recording. Um, but what I would suggest that you do is keep your wig on. I love it. I love it. I have to admit, yes, it's my favorite scene in the whole movie because Kim is the only good character out of the, all of these people. She really is the only redeeming, not the redeeming quality, but yes, the bit for me, the best character in the movie. She's relatable. She's she's hilarious. Quick-witted. She don't give a shit. I'm gonna tell you what I don't do. I don't know shit. I don't get stuff, and I don't understand things. No one knows what's going on. No one knows what's going on in this movie. But she's the only one that kind of seems more realistic out of all of them. And we're mm-hmm. so gay. Who? What queerdo doesn't love a horror movie with a snarky, bitchy, amazing one-liners from like a strong female character? 
I mean, that's those are our upbringings. So Kim makes her way to the house. She drives to he um, this nearest little like gas station store. slash convenience store, and so she's making her way in. And of course, these like, dumb like little small town boys hanging outside the store, and they give her a hard time or whatever. They call her Elvira. <laughs> uh, I would take that as a compliment. Shit, me too. She makes her way into the store, and of course, everybody's staring at her because she's the only goth girl in this small town. These people are fucking insane, the way they treat her because she likes black eyeliner. So finally, Kim gets her beer. She makes her way to the counter, and Peggy, who is the cashier at the front counter, My second favorite character. Yes, cannot be bothered. She's sitting there popping her gum, looking at the newspaper, and doesn't even acknowledge Kim's existence. And Kim just goes, am I going to have a problem with you too? And Peggy's just like, no problem. And then she's like, she tries to pay for a beer, long story short. And my favorite is just like when it finally comes to like, okay, these bitches are about to throw hands. Which uh, Kim asked for the manager. Peggy just goes, I am the manager. And my favorite is when Kim just leans in and goes, well, Peggy, and she flicks her name tag. So Can good. you tell the bitch at the front counter to do her <laughs> goddamn job? Oh, so it's good. so good. Who does? It, I laughed so fucking hard at that part. I had to write 17 notes at that section. It's so <laughs> and then good. Heated exchange. And Peggy sets the alarm. Oh, shoot. Peggy turns on the camera to start recording the security camera to start recording their exchange. Cut the cameras. Dead at. Kim goes, here, I'll make it easy for you. Takes her, her six pack, bags it up herself, balls up her money and throws it in Peggy's face and keeps, it says, keep your motherfucking change. And then <laughs> flounces out of the uh, out of the convenience <laughs> store. It's- and then she's like almost thrown off because the boys are gone. She leaves, she gets in her car. And as she's driving, the fucking kids that were annoying her at the convenience store start throwing rocks at her and start calling oh, her yeah. a witch. A little witch bitch. And then she almost, she does crash. She crashes because she sees the fucking ghost kids from scariest yeah. places on earth. <laughs> the Burkittsville Seven kids, and they were like toddlers almost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were standing in the middle of the road. They were like all holding hands. It's very weird and it's very thrown in there. And, and then she crashes into a tree and she dents the fender. So she crashes, she makes her way back. And when she, she makes it, when she comes back to the house, she starts unloading the beer and she nicks herself on a bloody nail file that Peggy oh, was yeah. using. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that later. When foreshadowing. They, foreshadowing. And then it just cuts to the next morning. The cuts in this movie are so odd. Because she goes upstairs, she gives Jeff his coffee, uh-huh. and then she sees him in the electric chair, which also isn't explained. Everybody yeah. in this movie, as it progresses, starts getting visions of other things. Once they start, like, all collectively start going more and more insane, Jeff sees Kim eating an owl, but yeah. then she's eating chicken wings. And then Kim sees Jeff not paying attention to her, and when he turns around, he's in the electric chair, and yeah, then all of a sudden he's fine. I don't understand. I don't understand, bitch. I don't understand. It's definitely a reach, because Tristan starts going more and more insane, and as she's going more and more insane, Steven doesn't know what to do with her and just essentially keeps drugging her up and telling her to go to bed because yeah. they just assume it's due to the miscarriage. But when mm. one night Steven's like just trying to gather his life together, Erica comes in and then immediately they just start hooking up. And my first thought was, are cis hetero men this easy to 
to seduce because all she did was weirdly start rubbing his back and then start rubbing his back aggressively. And yeah. then she just, remember she kept going right here on the uh-huh. lower back, right here on your back. Comes over and like tries to console him and by rubbing his shoulders. And of course that just progresses from there on out. Partially sleeping together and then she rips into his skin and it starts Ooh. bleeding. And then surprise, it's a Freddy Krueger dream and they're both just sitting at the table. And they just all start collectively start losing it and Erica just goes missing. She goes upstairs and then she goes missing and nobody knows where she's at. And Mm -hmm. as it progresses, the film gets more and more confusing because they wake up, they then realize that the van was completely fucked up and it looks like Kim would have never walked out of this car crash alive. Yeah, it's like, it looks like she hit the tree head on like at 90 miles per hour. It's completely busting at the front. And he's like, he even says like, how the fuck did you get that home? It's exactly. And they realize Erica's gone. And so they try calling her dad. And when they call her dad, his secretary answers. And she's like, what do you mean, kid? They've never had a kid. So all of a sudden, this idea that Erica never existed happens. Either that or she was just lying about the whole time about her Um, whole. I mean, it could have gone either way. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. See, it's never explained. It's not. (laughs) We're still questioning it. I'm still questioning. I've never written so many notes where they all ended in questions, in question marks. I've never done that before. Because as it progresses, Tristan starts going more and more crazy. And that's when we get some more interaction with our favorite sheriff, fucking Craven. I mean, come on, could you be more obvious with the rest Craven, like, uh, Ode? But when he calls him, he's informing him, this is when we finally find out about all of these weird cuts that are shown throughout the movie, was that the, the group, essentially, when they all blacked out, they were the ones that murdered the tourists. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Even though it doesn't really feel like a reveal? No, I, I don't know if it didn't feel like a reveal to me because I'd already seen the movie multiple times or because in the in those flash, like, close-ups, those intercuts of the tourists being killed, you can see that it's the tourists. You see that it's the Asian woman and the German couple. You can see that it's them in those cuts. So I was like, it's not... Obviously, they died. And then why else would they intercut that unless it was them that killed them? Otherwise, it made no it made no sense to the story. The reveal doesn't feel big. It feels big for the characters, and I guess that's just the point of the script. But they're murdered in the same pentagram and shape as the original Blair Witch movie that mm-hmm. started that whole process. And that's when they start freaking out even more. They they just get more and more progressively more and more paranoid. They can't trust each other, which could have been a great aspect, but it's 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 never played up fully because when they find out that more of that's happening, they then cut to Kim going through Jeff's stuff and she finds folders on them and it creates yeah. more paranoia between them. Yeah, she finds like all these files and he's got like dirt on them. He's got photos from when they were kids, photos now, social security, driver, like all the whole shebang. Like it looks like he was a PI on them. And so obviously like that drives a wedge between all of them. They're all freaking out. They don't know who to trust. They don't know what's what. It's very messy. And then this is when Tristan finally, essentially, I'm going to say this is when the possession takes full form. Um, well, she start- this could go either way. It's either her possession or their delusion. That is That makes perfect sense because I'm just going to re- pull out the Band-Aid and reveal the end. It's revealed at the end that everybody's reality 
wasn't true. So from this point, Tristan starts chanting backwards and being a little very off. And this leads Kim to believe that like they have to play Jeff's tapes in reverse. Why they lead that way, I don't know. But when they and play they really re- go all in on this reverse thing, by the way. Like just foreshadowing, they go all in on the reverse. I don't know why no one thought turn re- like rewinder tape. <laughs> no one thought rewind the tape. It's very the ring. The footage finally shows the full event that was missing from their original chunk. Right. All those missing hours. And this is when that strange sex shit happens because what I'm assuming happened is that the witch is real or their perception of the Blair Witch being real happened. And this caused them while they're drinking, while they're smoking, that this influenced them to all get naked, have a ritual. At one point, Erica's naked with a skull between her legs because why not? And they're all worshiping her. Yeah, and Tristan's doing some weird thing with like a sword and she looks like she's possessed and she almost looks like she's conducting everything. She really does look like she's conducting everything. And everybody else is just like, they're little minions and they're dancing around and everybody's naked and they're all drunk. It's very like student film. Like what they would student film. What they would perceive as like uh, maybe like a modern witch movie. Like this is what modern witches would be doing in the woods. I don't know. It's so odd. And it's shown that they murder all of the tourists, which doesn't also need to be shown because we've seen all of these shots already throughout the whole film. And well, they they don't show it. All they show is they show Tristan like conducting everybody, and then she told like she kind of does this gesturing motion with her arms like to go into the woods Mm -hmm. and kill them, and then they all leave. And then that's when Tristan gets off of her podium and gets the cameras down and does this almost like what they wanted to call, and I didn't really pick up on it. They called it a nod to the original Blair Witch Project with this shot of like, yeah, the kind of up the nose shot where it's a close up on the upper face. And it was weird. It is very weird. When they come back to Tristan, Tristan's facing the other way, like in the Blair Witch movie. And it culminates into this absurd, like, argument between Erica, Tristan, Stephen, and Jeff and mm-hmm. they're all just ganging up on Tristan and saying that she's the one that did all this. It's her fault. Mm-hmm. And she revolts mm-hmm. back and saying that you guys don't have the balls. Kill me, kill me, kill me. And she wraps her head in a rope and yeah. she calls Tristan a little bitch. I'm about to beat this bitch up. And then he can't do it. And in anger responds and pushes her off the scaffolding and she's hung. And th- what? And we stay on her for the longest time, like Haunted Mansion, look up at the ceiling at this hang yeah. body, long periods of time. It, it like, it hit fast forward almost from that point on when they mm-hmm. start doing the like essential witch hunt against Tristan and they start essentially poking at her and coming up with all these reasons of why she's the one behind all this. And my favorite part out of that whole altercation is stupid Jeffrey going she's the witch man <laughs> she's the witch man it's oh her. my god the like straight at the group <laughs> straight out of like days of confused and so yeah and like you said at that point it culminates into Tristan really like poking the bear in the zoo like just egging um, Steven on Steven, Steven on to fucking kill her and then boom he just like pushes her and she like instantly like snaps her neck when she falls and you're right it does really it, gnarly it stays on her for a long time and she kind of just swings so like we said in the beginning 
trigger warning this movie deals it, with some pretty heavy topics they they continuously go back to that shot too like they show you every angle it's like some weird like it's like mm -hmm. some weird michael bay film where it's an explosion <laughs> and they show from every single angle that you could possibly get <laughs> they also find erica's dead body in the closet and that's never ever explained really and it leads to the sheriff interrogating all of them and we find out that the reality is not real that Steven was the one that put the rope around Tristan's head. Tristan's neck, and, uh -huh. and he and was the one her. that killed her. That Jeff was the one that killed, killed Erica. Erica. That's but they also don't never show it. Nope, yeah, they don't show not. it. They just show him putting her into the closet because his whole house is fucking rigged with security cameras and microphones, apparently. So he can hear and see what's going on in every single room. And so he has footage yeah. of his naked self, which is, by the way, guys, if you want to see his ass, this is the part where you get to see his ass. Oh, yes, yes. Pretty nice. Putting, it's very nice. Yeah, it is a very nice ass. Um, it's him putting Erica into the closet, which is also never explained. The only thing that had me actually gagged at the end of this reveal was that Kim actually killed Peggy. That's so I didn't know that Ooh. she actually killed Peggy because yes. earlier we talked about the nail file that Kim finds inside of her bag that was bloody and we thought it was because she nicked her finger on it. It's really because she fucking took that nail file and jabbed that bitch right in the neck she shanked hell it. yeah peggy got two to the neck and the jugular bitch and just bled out all over the countertop and kim walked away with her six-pack <laughs> she got what she needed she lost the money she paid her she paid her the only illegal thing she did was you know cut a bitch and it's revealed that they were the ones that caused all this and it turns into this media frenzy and it leaves off with this final like theme of when the reporter starts talking about that this is just another horrible event that was influenced by media and this idea that horror and media is the reason why people do horrible things, which is why I asked about Columbine, because when Columbine happened, they looked at those two teens under the microscope, what they listened to, what they had watched, what they talked about. And that happens mm -hmm. a lot with a lot of murders and things that go on that it's just, it. Scream talks about it. Scary movies don't make serial killers. They make serial killers more inventive. Uh -huh. And I feel like that's what he was, Berlinger was trying to do and talk about. But it's only end capped at the end for two seconds and yeah. it goes and cuts to the worst ending I've ever seen. It's just Steven going, I didn't do that. And then it cuts. I thought the exact same thing when, because they were showing, because they had just showed him, finished showing him him killing Tristan. And so, yeah, he cuts, it cuts after he says, I didn't do that. And I remember like, I saw the credits and I was like, that, that's where we cut the movie? That was your, that was, that was, that was the end, no. It's harsh ending and then classic 90s soundtrack. The soundtrack is actually really good. The soundtrack is actually very nice. It's one yeah. of the really good things. Uh, <sighs> this movie, it was a bumpy mess from start to finish. It really, really was. It's this melding of so many ideas and too many cooks in the kitchen, mm -hmm. way too many involvement in this perception of that we need to make a sequel to something. And I have to give credit where credit is due. I would have never thought to go down this path for a sequel. I would have never oh, thought yeah. about this. And your concepts that you want to touch on were amazing. And there is quite a people in the community that have tried to make an edit according to the commentary and the director's notes of what Berlinger originally wanted. And they usually state that it's a pretty good movie. I still think without the involvement of the production company and the edits that they made, I still don't think it would be a good movie. 
I don't think so either. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I don't care how many additional seeds you add in there or whatever. It needed it to be from the ground up a rewrite. It and really so, did. I, like, granted, there were great ideas there, and I think Berlinger was ahead of his time with the themes that he was trying mm -hmm. to get across to the audience. Um, but it, it got lost. Unfortunately, it got lost in the mess that the production company kept, you know, all the everything that they, the production company was trying to um, slam into this movie. To try and, like, that's where it sucks because production companies usually think they know exactly what they need to sell what they want to make as much money as possible and what they had included and what they thought the audience was going to like is one of the weakest parts about this movie the murders are unnecessary the gratuitous like gore is unnecessary the cuts are entirely unnecessary so it just it really sucks because this movie has a huge like backstory on its vhs release apparently this whole movie had like hidden messages and underlying hidden pictures, hidden everything. And it's called the secret of S river, which is just reverse and backwards. Cause this whole movie loves this idea of, re of reverse doing everything in rewind. So the gimmick itself is a subliminal messaging and they use this as a marketing gimmick and they only really did this because it wasn't shown in the film's actual release. It was right. only done on the VHS and DVD releases and it's called The Secret of Ezra Veer, which is so stupid. It sounds like a weird like Harry Potter spell. <laughs> because half of the shit in Harry Potter is shit in reverse. Exactly. But what it is is just that a number of like near subliminal messaging forms are found in like hidden words and images that are placed throughout the film it's at one point in the smoke when they're smoking pot it's in the fire mm -hmm. and you're supposed to find different words and it's supposed yeah. to spell out different things in all honesty all of really this cool. okay <laughs> i don't i i just feel like all these like hidden messages there was even a hidden pit it was there was even a hidden photo of one of the main actors screaming in the smoke as she blew uh -huh. out from smoking the weed it was a reach and it was a reach. In, in my opinion none of this paid off all mm. this all this gimmicky kitschy bullshit was for nothing i bet half of the people who bought this didn't even bother to watch the special features who bought this movie after this movie came <laughs> after this movie came out so in the features it encouraged viewers to watch certain scenes and try and watch them in reverse or watch them frame by frame which is a big thing for vhs to decode the secrets they offered five clues you're supposed to get a full phrase and you get seek me no further beyond something once you get all these words together mm -hmm. and honestly all you get out of it is your name on a list of people that figured out this code that's it on a website <laughs> on a website oh, you stink! this is so much work it didn't offer like any sort of further backstory or anything all it so essentially what the message was supposed to tell you was that if if the children were out, that meant the Blair Witch was coming for you or the Blair Witch was sending the kids for you. And which is mm -hmm. why like in the movie, those kids came after Kim. It was a reach and it was definitely just a gimmick to try and sell at home video, like to get their at home video sales up. Too many concepts. There's too many concepts. You put too many ingredients in your goddamn dish. What is your final verdict on this movie? This movie held holds kind of it doesn't really hold a special spot anymore after this last like final like review it ruined it. it 
It kind of did. I, my, maybe it was because I haven't watched it in a really long time, but this movie used to hold a special spot in my heart. Um, I used to be obsessed with this movie for some reason. Um, I remember the first time I ever watched it and I kept going back and watching it was, uh, I used to be able to rent it. We've discussed this before. I used to be able to rent it from the library. So it was free. So I used to be able to watch it over and over and over again. And as I've gotten older and going back and watching it now, like with the podcast and looking at it through a different lens to dissect it, it's awful. Is that true? It's very true. It's horribly acted, it's horribly written, it's got some great core concepts, but it didn't deliver and it didn't like, it had a great launch pad and it didn't like launch, it didn't leave the airport, if you get what I'm saying. Like it had great ideas, but it never took off. It didn't didn't even go to the airport. It's still back home trying to pack its bags (laughs) and trying to figure out what time the Uber is gonna fucking pick them up for the airport. This movie is, I wanted to do this movie because I, the history and the production on this movie are so much more fascinating than the actual the movie itself that we got. <laughs> and it's one of those like rare movies. It reminds me of The Room. It's not as culturally significant. I'm not even going to call The Room that culturally significant. I'm just going like, to attack that a little bit. You got to tear me apart, Lisa! This movie is about a movie that was about a fake legend. So, like, it had a lot of concepts, and the movie itself ended up becoming, like, a film horror legend. This movie is not well-liked. It is not well done. But it's one of those movies that when you talk about it with someone in horror, we have something to say. And there's a lot of stuff that (laughs) is delved into this movie because it's so interesting. It's one of those sequels that you f- that doesn't exist. It's a sequel that doesn't exist. It shouldn't exist. <laughs> I, yeah, like you said, almost anybody in the horror community has either watched this or know of it and know that it's pretty terrible. What is your final rating? Oh, sorry. We totally glazed over that part. Yeah, my final rating, and I'm being generous here. It's a two out of five. Oh, oh shit. You're being really... <laughs> <laughs> Only, there Because there are some redeeming qualities for it. Like, I, I like the core concepts that didn't quite make it to the end. And love meta anything. That post love meta anything. Meta shit. And Kim, man, I had to give a whole point just yeah. for Kim <laughs> alone. Kim, if, if it weren't for Kim, this movie got would have got a one point. One out of five. But Kim gets an entire point for herself because that is part of my uh, upbringing there. Sure, that's your rating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what, what, what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts are they overshot what they could do. They bit more than they can chew. They for really sure. tried to do something really interesting with the sequel. And I wish more sequels tried doing experimental different stuff. Because like you stated in the beginning, if we had just gotten a traditional sequel, it would have been so fucking boring. Like, it, yeah. it, the One thing I can give this movie is that it's not boring. It's wild. It's insane. Nothing makes sense multiple times in the script characters are like i don't know what's going on and i'm just like that is yeah none of us do neither do we no none of us do so 
I only like it because the production's fascinating and just idea is fascinating. I would suggest only watching it once, be really drunk, be really high. It's probably the best <laughs> way that you're going to enjoy it. But my final rating on this is one out of four. <laughs> I, I, Kim is that one, one point. One out of five. Kim is the only oh, redeeming quality because she's hilarious. I wish I could have movies with Kim in them. We need like some Marvel universe where I can get Kim out of here and just like in other horror movies. I need her own. I need her in her own movie. Alrighty, everybody. I hope y'all survived that one. Did y'all survive spending the night with the Blair Witch? I hope y'all, I hope you guys were able to make some sense. What's not clicking? What's not clicking? I hope y'all survived and I hope you guys enjoyed. I like production stuff. I like when we get really nerdy and really t- like dig deep in themes and things like that. And this film, as bad as it is, has a lot of really cool stuff to talk about. Few redeeming qualities to, dis- <laughs> to discuss. Speaking of few redeeming qualities, next week's episode is going to be our Leprechaun franchise episode. I am excited to talk about the Leprechaun series. I am not excited by the Leprechaun series. (laughs) I have very mixed feelings about the Leprechaun series. I'm still currently trying to make my way through them. And mind you, we're not touching on the reboot. Like, I'm sorry, what was it called? Leprechaun Origins. We're not touching on that at all. Um, That's a separate whole entity on its own that I don't want to touch, at least not at the moment. So, for our Leprechaun franchise, it is going to be a special episode for us. We've never done an entire franchise. We're going to be talking about Leprechauns 1, 2, 3, and 4, because I could not give this little fuck an episode per movie. No. I could not give him that quality, but no. I am excited to talk about it. It will also be our first drinking game. Yay. We're going to Woo! attach all the rules on how to drink with us next week when we start dropping all of our promo stuff for it. And we're also going to have a special guest on our Leprechaun episode as well. Our first special guest. Our first special guest. I'm very excited. I hope you guys are excited. I know these movies are really popular just because they're really fun to make fun of. And that's all I want to do on this next week's episode. This episode was a very research heavy, very informational based episode. So next week we're going to keep it chill. We're going to pour ourselves a cold one and we're going to have a lot of fun getting a little tipsy on St. Patrick's Day. I'm very excited. If you would like to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram at the Carpenter Queens. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's Carpenter Queens. My personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography. My account is at STFU Ray on all platforms. And that concludes (laughs) our episode for today, guys. Do not forget to subscribe, like, comment. Please become a member at the TCQ Rental Store. Sign up for a membership and get rentals for 99 cents. So please stay queer, stay safe. And mask up. Mask up, please. We'll talk to you guys in the next one. Bye, 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 bye